Hello, good folk, and welcome to episode 85 of They Think Kit's All Over. So yeah, hello, I am Tom, aka at Shirt Fan, and I'm your host today because Adrian is on his way back from Amsterdam and uh, we won't ask any more about that. But who's joining me today? It's Mike at Footy Shirts. And it's Adam at This One Kit. How are you both gents? Been up to much this week? I'm uh, I'm worse off for being reminded about that story that you used for our intro there. I'm not going to talk about it. If anybody wants to go away and have a look at what happened, they can do it themselves. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm good apart from that, to be honest. Um, I'm good because I haven't heard this story yet. So I feel like my week might get Don't. worse when I hear it. But um, but yeah, I'm very good. It was my wedding anniversary yesterday. So that's a nice thing. Congratulations. Is that what Is... you say for wedding anniversaries? <laughs> yeah, you, you can say congratulations. We, we didn't do much. We just went to a place called Aylsham in Norfolk and I found a Jordan Pickford mug. That was the highlight of it. <laughs> The, the <laughs> highlight for me was you sharing photos on your socials from how many years have you been married now, Adam? Uh, married for eight years together for so, almost um, 19. So, yeah, for from eight years ago. And it's amazing how much hair a man can lose in eight years. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes to our getting together anniversary and I share some pictures from 19 years ago, you'd be even more <laughs> amazed because I had a lot of hair back then. I feel like this all segues quite nicely into something I did actually want to talk about because that story, if anyone has seen it online about the stag Hindu in Amsterdam, surprisingly, it's not even the worst thing that's gone on in Amsterdam this season because Ajax look like they may be getting relegated. And this is a obviously a huge story for a team that big to be struggling so badly, weaving my way to what I want to talk about. The other team in Europe that's struggling is Lyon, who are bottom of Ligue 1 without a win so far this season. But they've brought out a fantastic reissue. At least they got something going for them this season, then, eh? I'm guessing you're desperate to tell everybody that you bought it then, Tom. <laughs> I did buy the reissue because it's so good. It's so good. I've bought more reissues this season than I have modern, like, current shirts. It, do you know what that I'm not I've said it before on this pod I'm nothing against official reissues and remakes at all I think they're the way to go they're better for me than the score draw sort of versions unbranded stuff um but that one in particular looks amazing because you shared some photos of it and if you get nice and close up it's even I think I'm right in, in saying it's got that sort of like jacquard weave adidas is it got the trefoil in it or is it got another pattern within it on that particular one? But either way, those ones that 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 template all had those uh, back when they were used in what ninety four to ninety six or whatever it was, and it it looks amazing. To be fair, is it good as a one off reissue, or do you think if this is something that starts happening a lot more, as good as they are for all of clubs, say Adidas have, do you think it kind of cheapens them a little bit? Or do we want to see more of this kind of thing? Well, I'm, you know what? I'm kind of in the middle with it. I, I, I like it, even though I don't buy them myself. And I think what it can do is it it can help um, possibly push people away from fakes. Maybe not with some of the prices, um, but, you know, that shirt is still far cheaper to buy as a reissue than an original would be of that one. I think my only uh, complaint is what I've said before, is that it's almost too accurate for my liking i do like there to just be 
a slight difference between that and and the original. So you still get that. Um, I, I don't know what you would call it, but basically the original just has something over those reissues, even if it's, I, I don't know, um, something within the labeling or a minor, minor detail that isn't in the reissue that is in the original. Cause I do always think there should be something special about the originals. They actually did that. I believe added us with the Arsenal. I think it's the 93 to 95 away shirt where the badge was in a slightly different place. I know some fans didn't like that, but the badge wasn't, it was more to the side. I I agree with you, Mike. I think it is nice when there's a difference, but with this one, it's just so spot on. I love the high neckline as well, because that's very reminiscent of the era. The neckline is really high on it. It's, it's a really good shirt. I'm quite sad that I didn't get one, but I spent all of my shirt budget on a different shirt this month. And it was considerably more than the 90 pounds, I believe that you paid for a, for the Leon shirt, but it's really, really smart. And also it's nice to see the old logo back again. I know it's on the away shirt as well. It's really nice to see the old OL logo back on the kits. I'm, I'm for it, actually. I, I think it's a good thing. Like you say, Mike, it's pushing people away from fakes as well. I think it's making classic designs more accessible to people. The other thing that I think what I'd like to see as well is we've seen it a little bit this season with the Ipswich 88 template. I think there's still a place for those templates to maybe be brought back. I mean, when you posted it on Twitter, Tom, I, I replied and showed that I've got a couple of the, the buy-in casual range they did a couple of seasons ago using that template and they did it for a sort of like a t-shirt, a jacket and a sweater. And it's all really cool, but nothing beats seeing it on the pitch. And that's the probably my one criticism with, with reissues, if you like, is it would be amazing if these teams would wear them as a one-off thing through the season. But like with that Ipswich 88 template, what I'd love to see is a is this template be used again. Maybe not necessarily exactly the same with the, you know, the collar probably wouldn't be too comfortable for players to wear. But it would be really, really good to see that come back in some way next season, maybe. You never know. These these kind of reissues, they could be a bit of a, a test ground for the big manufacturers to see how popular they are. And yeah, perhaps it's something we will see going forward. But is there any other news, gents, this week that's caught your eyes? Well, we saw the next instalment of the Barcelona Spotify sponsor change, if you want to call it that. Um, quite an interesting one. Seems to have been relatively popular because it is the Rolling Stones. Um, so the tongue 40 licks logo whatever you want to call it is basically replaced the spotify logo on the shirt um it's quite smart i i do it's probably my favorite they've done out of uh the the different variations they've done this season it's a very what seems to be a very very limited shirt according to everything that's been released so far i believe it's 1899 are being sold i think they're all numbered as well from 1 to 1899 which is pretty cool Apparently, I read that that is 1,749 men's and 150 women's as well. So that's pretty cool that they're actually doing these these limited in the women's shirts as well. Um, I believe you get a certificate with the box as well. And within the box, there will be, uh, I believe it's like a QR code. And if you scan the QR code, it will take you straight to Spotify with the new Rolling Stones, or sorry, with the new album from the Rolling Stones, which is called Hackney Diamonds. So they're... They're linking it all up really, really well. I think um, it's it's a little bit more it, it's a little bit more than just a gimmick when you start 
getting a little bit more substance with it like the you know the album and the numbered shirts and stuff i i like it i think it's good i think there's some debate to be had about this shirt so i'm going to start it up a i knew someone would and i don't know i just have to say that i really preferred last season's shirt so it would have given me some real satisfaction to see the logo on that one but you can't always get what you want so sorry i'm just trying to say you kick someone out of a a zoom meeting (laughs) (laughs) well actually i do have to go i'm actually decorating my bathroom um i'm gonna paint it black oh there it is i i i I felt that one coming as soon as you said decorating (laughs) i knew it did you two work on that before this? <laughs> no, because if he'd have told me he was going to do it, I'd have said I want no part of it. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a very smart shirt and it is two iconic images mashed together in the Barcelona shirt and that Rolling Stones logo. And that's where the positives end for me. It's a 400 euro shirt to get it player spec and numbered, which is crazy. You want to have to pay extra if you want to get that personalized too, which there was the option doing on the website. And there was also another tier to this. You get the shirt limited as well, but signed by the squads, depending on whether you've got the women's shirt or the men's shirt, you get the that shirt. And I guess, did you, did you see how much that was to get the signed version of this shirt? Didn't see that. Dread to think. So 400 euros for the non-signed version. 2,999 euros for a signed version of the shirt, which is incredible money when you think about it. And then the other criticism I have is, what the hell is this link? What does the Rolling Stones have to do with Barcelona? I I can't help you with that link. I, I don't know what the thought process behind it is. I do just want to go back to the price issue, though, because... I don't, I don't want to try and justify that price, but surely there's a little bit more in it with this one for the price they've put on it. When you bear in mind that a standard, say, player issue shirt or player version, whatever you want to call it, is the best part of, if you're talking in euros, 200 euros anyway, this shirt has less than 2,000 of them made. People people say they buy, it's not what we do. Most of us buy shirts because we love shirts. A lot of people buy these shirts as an investment, as things to hold on to, to see how the future value goes. That shirt's not going to lose that value. There's 1,900 of them made. In 20 years, When if you go looking for one of those shirts, you're going to have to pay 400 euros and some to fucking get your hands on one of those. So whilst I don't condone the price of it, the very fact that it is as limited as it is, does give a small amount of justification to it, a justification to it. I personally still don't think it should be that high. However, it's better than charging 400 euros for a shirt that is going to be mass produced and available to everybody out there because it's it's a whole different ball game then. I think you're spot on. Like As an investment, these are only going to go up in price, but I can't help but feel cynical about it. And the link that has been made is because you're going to have people that are Barcelona collectors and they're going to want this shirt. You're also going to have people that are Rolling Stones collectors and they probably, some of them, might not know a thing or care at all about football, let alone Barcelona. And they're also going to want this shirt because it's Rolling Stones merch. So they've got probably two of the most ardent fandoms combining to collect something that's limited and expensive there's never been a risk of these not selling 
but I can't help but feel a little cynical about it, I have to admit. Yeah, I can't argue with that. However, just to end on this bit, though, I would just like to say, as a Villa fan, I would like to see Ozzy Osbourne slash Black Sabbath on a Villa shirt before before I die. So if we if, if that could happen, that would be really good. Thank you very much. Well, I mean, if we're talking bands like that, imagine the Beatles on the Liverpool shirt. L- Liverpool is shit and the Beatles were over. Yeah, it, Liverpool so. is shit. You've got Patrick Berger's shirt behind you. I know like people listening to the podcast Because see he this, was so Patrick much better Berger. when he was at Villa. Was he? Was he? No, he, was he wasn't. Than Villa. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Okay, but let's just move on and forget that. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea would have Suggs on the front of their shirt. I'm like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but... Liverpool would be great. We'd have like the Lightning Seeds or the Coral. Loads of good bands. You'd have like for Villa UB forty or something shit like that. <laughs> now, aren't they aren't they fucking West Brom fans as well? Them lot. No idea. Mm, don't know. Just we're just <laughs> stick we're, we're stick with Ozzy Osbourne. Thank you very much. So we are recording this on Wednesday night, and the Champions League match day three is currently going on, and there has been some uproar in Glasgow about a shirt change tonight. Adam, can you tell us a bit about this? Yeah. So Atletico Madrid, as you say, are currently as we're talking right now, playing Celtic in the Champions League. And they have ditched their usual white and red shirts for an all-red shirt. And seemingly this has infuriated Celtic fans because 49 years ago in Glasgow, there was a game called the Shame Game where three men were sent off and seven were booked in a very kind of angry fixture at Celtic Park. None of us are entirely sure what's going on here. So it would be quite nice if some... Celtic fans can let us know maybe on the socials quite why this is such a controversial thing because to me it just looks like a smart red shirt to be honest. I, I can tell you what I think's going on. I think that they've got an all red shirt to wear and they've needed to put a reason to it <laughs> and they've somebody has said that it's a link to this this shame game or whatever you call it but in truth is it possibly because their home shirt is red and white striped and Celtic playing green and white? Their away shirt is half white, half blue, which I guess, again, you wouldn't be able to wear against the green and white hoops. And then their, their third shirt is green. So they actually just needed a fucking kit to play Celtic in. And somebody probably said, let's let's just wear all red. Also as well, um, Green and red are one of the colours that can be quite difficult for colourblind people to see. So if you've got red and white stripes and green and white hoops, I know it's hoop to stripes, but it could still maybe be a little bit confusing for people. So I don't know if there's anything necessarily in it, but maybe it's just one of those coincidences that have riled fans up somewhat. I don't know. It's a silly thing to kind of say that they're paying homage to. If if that's come from the club officially or the fan base, whatever, if there's a game where you had three players sent off and were probably borderline brutally violent against the team it is a weird thing to pay homage to isn't it so it has the homage has come from the club this is what they said is the reason behind it and it so i have to admit i don't quite understand why it's caused such a strong reaction from the celtic side of things i know they see it as a wind-up but for a club the size of celtic it seems a strange thing to get so riled about. But from Atletico's point of view, that year, 73-74, I believe it was, was the year they went and won the European Cup. So that game against Celtic, shame game, was seen as a big kind of benchmark in them going on to lift the trophy. But I agree with you, Mike. I think the colour cord thing is obviously spot on. But the thing I don't get is just why 
Celtic are so annoyed about it. I mean, it's Diego Simeone team for a start. You don't. It's not like you don't expect shithousery from them in some way. Yeah, it is a bit odd. But let's let's all look forward to the uh, the Newcastle shirt that pays homage to uh, David Batty and Graham Lasso fighting in the Champions League with each other. Then, eh? <laughs> Wasn't that Blackburn though? Uh, was it? No, yeah. that, that that was Blackburn yeah. in the Champions League. Who was it in the Premier League? That it was it? a Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowie. That was it because that was against Villa. I remember it was because I remember the picture of Gareth Barry like trying to break them up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that that that, that I think I'm sorry to move on from the the Atletico thing so quickly, but I do think um, teammates fighting is one of my favourite things in the whole world because it happens every week on a Sunday. So to see it happening in the Premier League is fucking brilliant. <laughs> can you think of any others then? Uh, I can't. I, I I know we've all seen it. Um, I mean, it's happened with Villa a couple of times with, with players, you know, getting a bit feisty with each other. I remember from Liverpool was uh, Steve McManaman and Bruce Grobelaar had a set to once. <laughs> oh, there's only one winner there. Yeah, there's only one winner there and it is not, <laughs> bless him, the gangly Steve McManaman. <laughs> Didn't uh, John Arnarisa and Craig Bellamy get into a scrap off the pitch? Yeah, involving a golf club, which is why in, I think it was like 2006 time, um, 2006, 2007, when Bellamy scored away against Barcelona, he did the golf swing celebration. Oddly enough, after that, it was both Reza and Bellamy who scored in that game. So uh, maybe they were, you know, just, just getting the adrenaline pumping. Always was a lovely chap, old Craig Bellamy, wasn't he? But anyway, moving on to genuinely nice chaps, because we are moving on to our feature, and we've been blessed, hashtag blessed, to have another ex-pro on the pod. And he spoke to Adam and AD this week, and it was former Middlesbrough striker Andy Campbell. This week, we're delighted to welcome a former Premier League footballer, a man who's represented his country at England under-21 level, scored a playoff final winning goal and has one of the best full debut shirt stories you're ever likely to hear. Welcome to the pod, former Middlesbrough and Cardiff striker, Andy Campbell. Thanks for having me. That an okay intro? Absolutely fantastic, yeah. The best one I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I should say Middlesbrough and Cardiff, obviously, I think... It's an age thing. I instantly think Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think uh, if you mentioned army clubs, we probably wouldn't get through the 30 minutes to be fair. So <laughs> <laughs> We're really pleased you can join us today. And yeah, let's talk about some of those shirts and some of those clubs you played for. But first of all, I mean, what, what's it like coming through at your hometown club? Um, quite a surreal feeling, I think. I think um, I think any any young boy uh, who supports a football club has, has has got the dream to wear that shirt and play at that certain ground. And and I was no different, you know. I, I watched all middle of the games at Essen Park with my brother and with my dad, and I really wanted to wear that red shirt at Essen Park. And it, it it coincided that I didn't get that opportunity to play at Essen Park because they moved on to bigger and better things at the Riverside. But to wear that shirt uh, with the players I played with and the heroes who later on turned into friends is. Yeah, it's, it's probably the the biggest surreal thing that you that you, you can never really get your head around. But it was um, it was it was the best time to be a footballer, um, in my opinion. I know people will probably disagree with the finances available, what 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 are now. But now for me, that that the players I played with, the club where it was evolving, it's just fantastic, really. And I mean, you say some of the players that you played with. Funnily enough, I said to Adam yesterday, I was going through some of my old sticker books. I don't play with sticker books now at my age, but I was, <laughs> I was going through the loft. It was a weekend, going through an organisation day. It's going through the Premier League sticker books and pulled out, I think it was the 1999 Merlin sticker book. And there you were. And it made me look at some of those players you played with at Middlesbrough. You were that 
couple of year period was absolutely like unbelievable. Your Ravinelli's, your Becks, your Gazers, Boxitches, your Brankers. I mean, it just the list goes on mm. and on. Emerson and of course Janino. I mean, yeah. okay, I nearly forgot Janino. Yeah, you nearly forgot the best one. No, I think. Oh, listen, I remember. Um, I remember the first time that Ravinelli was introduced to the to the to the group. We didn't have our own training ground. We trained at the local prison. He just won the Champions League. Um, he scored the winning goal for Juventus against Marseille on the Wednesday, and he signed for us on the Friday. Those things don't happen to a football club of Middlesbrough size, you know. And and for me, I'm, I was a super fan as well as a a player. And I remember when he got introduced, and I was in awe of what was happening at the club at the time. And I think. For a minute, or for a couple of minutes, I think I forgot where I was, who I was, and and, and it was probably only until I got home and told my dad that Ravinelli's just signed that he told he, he's the realism hit and his reaction was, well, where are you going to play? Yeah, and and I think sometimes you think that it's a really good time for the club, you know what I mean? But individually, like for me as a person, as a player, I think I probably didn't see the bigger picture as in it would have impacted on my uh, game time, but as a as a development situation for me as a player it made me such a better player a better person I learned so much from those kind of players as you as you as you would really I was just having a look I think it was the 99 season and the other forwards listed on the books of a club at the time so there was yourself Alan Armstrong yeah Mikkel yeah. Beck yeah. Marco Branca mm-hmm. Hamilton Ricard Fabrizio Ravinelli <laughs> Jamie Marino and I guess Craig Hignett could do a job up top I mean you had some competition yeah. for a couple of places there yeah, we did. And then sometimes Paul Merson, when he joined, you know, I was that season he left. That it was just, it was everything that that we wanted as a club options. But then, like I said, the, the manager could only play one, two, or three, depending on what which, which formation and tactics he picked. And it was the best time, but then the worst time, you know, that you, you've gone from make my debut in '96 to then not playing in '97 because there was just no space in terms of the the, the, the way the football club was evolving. Um, then to go on loan and come back in '98 and. And then wanting to get more game time in that, it's just it was it was an amazing time, but it was it was frustrating at times. Um, not just for me, I think for everybody, but for me being a local lad, you know, I seen how far the clubs the club came at that time, and and all the success we had, and um, all the bad times we had as well. By the way, because there was a lot of uh, a lot of relegations and and a lot of cup final defeats, and you know what I mean. But at the same time, that the positives what came with that was just phenomenal. There were quite a lot of uh, young English players as well, weren't there? Though, like there were all of these like incredible names, but there was a real solid base of English players that kind of you can like your Phil Stamps and your I don't know, I've got like Robbie Musto is one that comes to mind as well, and yeah. things like that. And I think that was the thing with Middlesbrough. There was a real solid kind of English base to it as well. Like how how was it in the changing room? Like like was like such a mix of players, and it must have been a shock to a lot of you on kind of in the nicest way, your level, to suddenly have Fabrizio Ravinelli like turn up and just be him and all of those like huge names. It must have been just ridiculous, frankly. Yeah, no, it was. It was we had a we had a really good spine, you know. We had um Alan Miller, um, in goal got him from Arsenal, big money, Neil Cox, Nigel Pearson, Steve Vickers, Robbie Mustos. Um, we had the good spine of the team, which is everyone knew the league, everyone knew what the football club meant to everybody, and, and then you sprinkle the world class players and 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 I hear that word as well. The world when I say world class, you know, what I mean everyone's world class at the minute. Everyone who plays in the Champions League, Ravinelli was proven world class international footballer, scored a winning goal in the Champions League final. Janino won the World Cup. The, all these kind of things were just phenomenal, you know. So the, when you sprinkle that quality with with those minions, it made us better, you know. It made training better. It made the games a lot more enjoyable. It made the buzz around the place really good, you know. What I mean, there was more bums on seats. 
we sold out home and away for every game because of those players. You know, I mean, I'll be honest, it wasn't it wasn't those English players who who put bums on season sold season tickets. It was the the world class footballers, and but it made it more enjoyable for us. And the buzz around the place, like I say, was just was just fantastic. And everything what came with the with the success, even the negatives, you know, it was always a positive swing on it because. They were that good. They were nice people as well. You know, we went with went what went with it. You know, I mean, I know there was a, a couple of high profile story about, especially for Fabrizio in the in the cup final, not getting on with certain people and wanting to get away. But those things happen, unfortunately, in football. And um, but nine times out of ten, and ninety nine percent of the time, they were really, really genuine, nice people. I think for, for us as well, it's a real nostalgia trip because I mean, like me and Aidy, kind of like similar kind of age. Like the nineties were, like you said, like for me, the pinnacle of football. I remember yeah. Ravinelli's debut very well because I'm a Liverpool fan and he scored a hat-trick, if I remember right. Did, I yeah. remember yeah, the, the day was like a gloriously, blisteringly hot day yeah, and was. I was full of hope for the uh, for the new season and then Ravinelli turns up with his wonderful hair and then yeah. bags a hat-trick in a 3-3 draw. It's a, yeah, good memories of, well, bad memories, but yeah, Middlesbrough are one of those teams at that time that really stick in your memory, I think because of the cup finals as well. Yeah, well, I think Liverpool were... I remember that game very, very, very well. That they came with a big reputation. They came with the white kit. Um, you know, John Barnes ran the midfield. They had, they had the world class centre forwards. They had, they had everything that went with it. And to be fair, they, they dominated the game for long periods of the time. But when you've got somebody who can just shoot and score like he, like he could, and he did, is to score three goals on in, in the Premier League is hard enough to score in your debut and and to set your stall out for for what he wanted to achieve as a as a person as a player was just. It was just ridiculous, and he didn't just rest on that, those three goals. He was demanding again from everybody else. He wanted to get more, and he he just wanted to play all the time. And I think one one thing that I I took from him, from a player who's played at the, the very top level, that it doesn't matter if it was Liverpool or if it was Barnet in the in or Chester City in the cup or Henderson in the FA Cup, that he he wanted to play and he wanted to score goals. And and for me, that 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 was the biggest thing I took from him. That it doesn't matter how big or how little the game is, he just wanted to play every minute, which hindered the likes of myself and other players who wanted game time and wanted an opportunity but listen if players want to play then you've got to play your best player, best team and he was the best player so best players best players play for me Janino crowd shouting to warn him that McManaman was arriving here's Musto trying to burst through Ravinelli Ravinelli yes it's a hat-trick it's 3-3 If I remember rightly, that was a debut of the Accrue kit as well, wasn't it? The famous uh, Accrue kit for Liverpool. Yeah, it didn't get yeah, off to so. a winning start. Your career was sort of sprinkled with Stardust all the way through because you made your debut for a very, very famous player, manager and England legend in Brian Robson, didn't you? Yeah, uh, the gaffer gave me, gave me my debut at 16. Uh, I thought I was going to do uh, to be the, the kit man's helper um, for my home game uh, against Sheffield Wednesday. It was on Good Friday back in 1996 in April and, um, and it, it I went for the team meal with everybody else and, and the manager named me on the bench, which I nearly fell over. I, I couldn't believe what, what, what was said. And uh, John Pickering, who was the first team coach at the time, was sat next to me at the time and he just put his hand on my shoulder and just said, this is an opportunity for you. Enjoy it. And things like this don't happen to everybody. And I came on for like, I think about eight or nine minutes, which, you know, I mean, from a hometown club on a good Friday, sell out. We've beaten 3-1 live on Sky. It was just a, the, the the most surreal thing, but brought down to earth straight away after the game. I had to do jobs and clean boots and things straight after the game. So I was I was quickly brought down to earth by the manager because he, he had his standards, he had his levels and, and he knew that it was a massive thing for me. But at the same time, he, he did things right and made sure that, that players kept the... I was 16 years old, I was just a kid, uh, but I made sure that he, uh, that he did it right for me as well. 
And I know I uh, bigged up this story at the at the outset, but I, I have not oversold it, Adam. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> a week or so later, Andy, tell us about your first full team debut. And this is a shirt related story, so it's just perfect, perfect. For it us. is. It's it starts. It's probably started the day before that, that I didn't know this had happened until until later on. So uh, Brian Robson, being being the person he is, the guy he is, he's just an absolute diamond of a man. Uh, Brian rang my mum and dad to tell my mum and dad that I was starting against Liverpool. So they didn't tell me just so they could go to the game and they had a good opportunity to come and watch it. Um, the biggest thing that the manager forgot to do over the weekend was tell the kit man that I was starting as well. So that I, I got to the game in the changing room, the manager named the team. Um, I was in the starting 11. The kit man then obviously told the manager that I hadn't got a kit. I didn't have a shirt to wear. So there was a bit of a hoo-ha that, that I wasn't going to be able to play. Um, so the manager spoke to the Premier League, which gave him special permission to go and find a blank shirt from a fan in the crowd. And I got special permission to wear a blank shirt, which was the first time that that ever, uh, that ever happened at the time without obviously a blood shirt, um, especially for a starting player. Um, so the manager went outside himself, found a, found a supporter with a, with a blank shirt, swapped him his match war shirt from the, from the previous game with uh, Brian Robson 16 on the back, I believe. I wore a blank shirt. It was Ian Rush's last ever game for Liverpool. So we, we made a guard of honour standing there with no shirt, no name on my shirt, nervous, 16-year-old kid looking at Ian Rush, Neil Ruddock, Steve McManaman, Robbie Fowler, all these kind of players thinking this is going to be a, a bit of a baptism of fire the cop. You know what I mean? Everything just, it was just the most surreal thing in the world. Neil Ruddock did everything to me that day apart from be nice to me. He was evil, but <laughs> it made me, he made me grow very, very quickly. Um, as a person, as a player, in that 65, 70 minutes that I was on the pitch. Um, came off the pitch at 0-0, very proud. It got beat in the end, but it, hey-ho. Uh, but no, the, I've still got the shirt to this day. It's never been worn since. It was it was a one-shirt wonder that uh, I've got to keep it, which is just one of the best things and best moments of my career, really. It's, and a story to tell, it made it even more special what, what had happened. It could have ended very differently if the Premier League hadn't given me a give me permission. Um, the, the the man and the gentleman who, who, who got his shirt came forward about two months ago um, and um, obviously heard the story again, which was, which was, which was brought up, I think to the, I think it was a, the anniversary of the game. And um, so I met him, had a, had a coffee with him and, and, and I sat down and he showed me Brian's shirt. I obviously showed him, showed him mine. And I think there was a little bit of confusion because I think a lot, a lot of people thought I gave him it back, but I, there was absolutely no, zero fans no of me ever giving that back. No. <laughs> so um, it's, it's a shirt that, that I'd never, ever, ever contemplate giving away. It's something that it's going to be passed down to my, to one of my girls or all my girls. And then, they can pass it on to their kids and their kids and their kids because I think it's something in the story which, which I think will rumble on for a very long time because at the time I was the youngest player in the Premier League um, to play. So it, it may, there's, there's a lot of things what, what, what make it so special. That's brilliant. Um, I think what I, I really love about it as well is that there will always be records broken, but no one can take that away from you. No. Like you will always be the first. And like even if there's another one, no one's going to take away you were the first player to play with a yeah. with a blank shirt. It yeah. must have been quite confusing for um, the likes of Robbie Fowler and Steve McMahon and things like that. It's like, who is this lad? Like, we, we don't know who he is, 16-year-old. Oh, we yeah. really don't know who he is. We can't even tell who he yeah. is because there's no name on the back or anything. But yeah. that, that's what, what a fantastic story. That, that, that's no, absolutely it, amazing. Really special, you know, and I think it makes it even more special because it just everything what went with it, you know, the shirt, the game, everything, and I think it stands out even more, you know, that it's uh, it was it's a moment in my career that like they say nobody can ever take away from these 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 kind of moments, you know, however good or bad people's opinions of you as a as a footballer and the career you've had that 
these kind of things, you know, I mean, you, you, they're not given to you. You've got to earn them, you know, and, and I, I earned that opportunity. Um, I, I got more opportunities, which was great, but I, I earned that first one and, and it made it even more special. And I think and it, with a story to tell me, it's even better, I think. Unbelievable. And from then, you, it wasn't too many years later that you were getting England under-21 recognition as well and playing at the, was it the under-21 Euro 2000, wasn't it, tournament? Yeah, it was, yeah. I, 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 made, my, I made my England debut at the Riverside. Um for the 21s and I always thought that clubs well I always thought the country did, did that with players to try and get bums on seats get 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 the, get the fans going and, and if they did then 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 that's fine but I think I I really earned my selection in the in the in the playoff game where, where we beat Yugoslavia in Spain in, in Barcelona uh, where I scored the first goal playing alongside the likes of it's the famous picture of Steven Gerrard, Rio Ferdinand, Emileski, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very famous photo. And again, moments that no one can take away, you know, that um, looking enough got to go in the, to the Euros at Slovakia. We massively underachieved, if I'm honest, uh, with the squad that we had. But those kind of moments and that kind of experience for a player. And for me, as a as a local young player coming from Middlesbrough, you know, that those kind of moments don't come around very often for those kind of players. And um, I wasn't playing for a big club. I wasn't playing probably as many minutes as, as some of the players that that, that, that I'd had uh, opportunities to play with. But that was a great opportunity. You know, we played against Perlo, we played against Italy. Um, we played against Slovakia, obviously the host. I think uh, Zillard Nemeth played, and obviously Zillard came to the middle of it later on um, after that tournament. We played against Turkey. Uh, they had some very good footballers as well who ended up coming, some of them coming to the Premier League. So I think the tournament was was full of very, very good footballers and I think we probably under- underestimated and, and went there with a bit of a, a swagger that we had big names in our team, but unfortunately names don't win games and, and we uh, it backfired on us a little bit. Any shirt swaps in the tournament, or was that? Uh, yeah, I've got yeah, I got a Slovakian one, which I've I've got somewhere. I don't. I, it's not a famous name who, who made it big, but yeah, I, I I got a Slovakian one and I got a Turkey one. I didn't get an Italy one, I think, because that, that was a game that we got knocked out in, and it was a quite a, a disappointing evening, uh, if I'm honest. But yeah, I think uh, I think I think Rio or Stevie Gila, I probably swapped with. Perlo because they were that they, they were that level, and I think they he knew and they knew he was, they were all at that level. Club-wise, you'd worn a few kits before then, hadn't you? Because you had a few low moves in and around. So you'd, you'd donned yeah. a few different colours. I did, yeah. Um, usually red, uh, if I'm honest. Sheffield United. Um, I went to Sheffield United on loan under Steve Bruce. Uh, Steve really enjoyed what I brought to, um, to the party. Steve tried to sign me again at Huddersfield Town. Uh, he then tried to sign me again at Crystal Palace, but I failed the medical. So that would have been a, that would have been a nice one. Because I, I, I was a a secret Crystal Palace fan as a kid and that was due to a kit but obviously I'll, I'll explain that story a little bit later uh, failed the medical end up going back to Middlesbrough um, I went to Bolton Wanderers on loan played at the Reebok under Sam Allardyce so I'd I played for some really big managers really big names in football and, and wore some wore some interesting kits with some good probably history as well I think more importantly I know and I think I think sometimes when you play for a club it's it's good to know the history and the background of the clubs and have an understanding of the of the club, you know what I mean? Because you, you buy it in, you know, I didn't just go there for experience because for me, it was a loan move with a view to, to sign in full time. So I was always aware of, of what I was wearing, why I was wearing it, because it's, I know how important the, the Millsburg shirt was for me and as a player and as, as a fan. So I knew that for a player, it was a, a different club. It's exactly the same. And one of those clubs that you signed online for did become a permanent move, didn't it? And I guess they yeah. had their, their kit stories previously in terms of changing their home colours. But I've got a friend who's a Cardiff City fan and, he said his favourite football photograph of all time is a picture of you holding the playoff trophy at the Millennium Stadium. With uh, He just described it as the widest grin he'd ever seen. 
Yeah, I think uh, you can see what I had from my. I think you can, you can see what I had from my pre-match meal. I think in that photo. I mean, you did wear a lot of baggy kits as well, though. To be fair, didn't you? But uh... yeah, they weren't. Uh, they weren't very fitted. I think I either needed to put a, bit, a little bit more weight on, or the, or the kit man should have got me a smaller kit, uh, which is a little bit yeah. But the Cardiff City was. I went there because Lenny Lawrence, Lenny signed me. Lenny was my manager at Middlesbrough. So there's, a, there's always a history of me of, of following managers around, which which was always quite a trait of mine. I don't know why. It just it just seemed to be a little bit more comfortable for us both. I'm not sure, but um, Cardiff was always blue. Um, the Cardiff kit was just it was it had a real sense of pride to wear it. The fans were so passionate. The Welsh flag on it made it probably even more special because of where it was in obviously the capital city and it. It was just, it was just, it felt as though a lot of pressure to wear it as well, you know. It was, um, and then those kind of moments, defining moments, I scored in my debut with Cardiff, I scored in my last game for Cardiff. So it's, and in between, I, I managed to score a, a playoff winning goal in it, which was probably the biggest, the biggest, one of the biggest goals in, in the club's history. When it just, I just, I seemed to pop up at the right time, at the right moment for the right clubs, and um, I had a, a quite a knacker doing it, uh, which was nice. And you get remembered for that, you know. I remember scoring the goal for Cardiff in the playoff final and the, the party was good the next few days were a little bit of a blur but I remember going out on the Tuesday I think the game was a Sunday uh, and we were still having a couple of beers on the, on the Tuesday and some bloke came up to me I was with my mum um, and some bloke came up to me and said um, you'll always be remembered for that goal and, and people never forget and you just think people people say that because they want you to feel a bit wanted for that moment and I think the goal now is more famous 23, 24 years, four years later than it was the day it happened you know I think it was just another goal, and but now people are just it's, the the amount of support and and love I get from Cardiff fans because of that goal is just it's it's ridiculous, and it could have been any one of us in, in that in that group, you know. What I mean, one of us had to do what what I did that day, and luckily enough, it was me. Very sweet strike. I think you're underselling it a little bit. It there. was a good goal, to be fair. It was, another, it was <laughs> one of my favourite goals. Yeah. Malal, sloppy clearance, and Gareth Wally for Campbell. He's onside. It's Andy Campbell. Cardiff onwards, it then became a bit of a nomadic career, is it fair to say? Sorry, in my head, you're always a pace merchant. Whenever I sort of, I remember you breaking through, it was always your electric mm. speed was um, was what you were all about. Yeah, I, I picked up, I picked up quite a lot of serious injuries. Uh, I think you, you lose confidence in yourself a little bit. I think when you get a little bit, I, I did certainly uh, when you get a little bit older. Um, I went up to Scotland to play in the SBL. Uh, I played in the cup final there. Played against all the best sides. I went to Dunfermline. Uh, and really enjoyed my time. Loved love living in Edinburgh. I uh, love everything that went with it. Sometimes things just come to an end. You try to find a club and it, you get a little bit of a, probably say a reputation, not not always a good one um, in terms of not, not playing for a certain time or, or clubs not wanting you and going for younger players and it, and, and, and it becomes a struggle and the struggle is real and, and I think, yeah, for 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 long periods of time, you're looking for a club, and it it does it. It really affects you. Uh, affect me. I ended up getting an opportunity through Chris Wilder at Halifax Town, and loved my time. Loved my time with the club. Uh, picked up some horrific injuries, ruptured Achilles, ruptured knees. I, I picked up some. I had some real bad luck and and things, but still love football. Still, still wanted to give it a go. And but I think sometimes when you when you get to a certain age, and, and especially over the thirty mark, that 
things don't recover as well as you wouldn't recover and it was just yeah life was life was a struggle off the pitch football was a struggle on it and and yeah it was I think my, my whole life was spiraling, spiraling out of control at, at certain points and it's it's probably not nice for other people to see it I think when you're in that bubble yourself and you and, and you're living it you you think you're okay and you you think that then tomorrow will come or, or another day another opportunity will come and those those opportunities don't come and it's 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 it's, it's sad really it's sad to talk about it look back that yeah that you you knew that things things weren't as rosy as probably people on the outside can probably perceive them to be but I, I got the best out of what I had as as, as a footballer and I dragged it out as as long as I could physically I think you know what I mean I'm looking now that I that I can still move to a certain degree. Um, when when I want to, you know, football, you know, I tried to play as long as I could. I tried to keep fit as much as I can now, but you know, I mean, the demands of your body is 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 is, is ridiculous. It's it's so severe, um, and as a knock on effect, you know, I'm a I'm a dad of three girls who all play football. Two of them play football, and I, now I'm enjoy being that parent who can play football with the kids instead of probably being that parent if I hadn't listened to the right advice that who can't do the things that a parent can do. Yeah, I mean, you still scored goals all the way up to the end, though. I mean, you, Parsi, Celtic, you were at yeah. uh, Bradford Park Avenue, and you were still scoring yeah. goals. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, I think, I think, I think non-league football suited my my injuries, suited the way that I needed to not train. I think uh, training became. I love training. I think I, the games sometimes were the things that I didn't enjoy. I love the training, love the band, I love the changing room, love the players. The games were the things what really had a, the intensity on my body. My training, I could manage myself through. But when you go into non-league football, the games are the most important thing. Training secondary, and once I get my head around that, I just wouldn't train. I just, I just play, and it would uh, it would probably upset clubs, fans, players <laughs> alike. But you've got to do what's right for yourself, and you know what I mean. And, and if clubs want you bad enough, to you know what I mean, you listen to what they need and what they want. And for me, it was it was a case of I needed to play games and training would take a back seat and I just have to manage myself through the, through the week accordingly. What a career, though. What a career. And what a lot of stories and memories and moments, though, throughout it. I always forgot about the uh, the Vermeulen bit. They had some great kits as well, didn't they? They did, yeah. Uh, I've got my cup final shirt. Um, but well, more importantly for me, I've got my cup final shirt and my daughter at the time was, I think she was she was only only a baby. She might have been two or three. Um, so we've got a little little mini Dunfermline cup final shirt with Daddy on the back, which is just, yeah, those kind of things. I think for me, make my career it's small memories you know what I mean because my medal's brilliant I know it wasn't a winner's medal but my medal's brilliant the programme is brilliant the memories that I've got from the games brilliant but little moments to know that my that my little that my little one of my little girls at the time was was there and um and supporting me was just you know, I think it makes makes it more makes it more real really for me not to ask you to pick favourite clubs that you played for. This is not about the clubs. This is about the shirts. What were some of the <laughs> What are some of the favourite shirts that you wore? You know, some of those kits that you put on. You like, do you know what? This is this is really smart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I really liked. Uh, we played when I played for Sheffield United. We played away to we played away to Grimsby. I'm not sure why because Grimsby played in black and white, and obviously Sheffield United would play in red and white. So we probably could have played in in a similar kits. But Sheffield United had a fluorescent yellow kit. And I absolutely loved it. I scored two goals that day at Blundell Park. It was a night game. And I think because it was dark under the lights and it, where we wore a fluorescent kit, it was lovely. Um, because, because we wore the same kit uh, away at Barnsley. Barnsley played in red. Uh, it was on a it was lunchtime kickoff on a Saturday afternoon, red hot day, and the flies just covered it and it was a nightmare. So I loved the kit, <laughs> but I liked it more on the, on the night. So it was, uh, but no, it, it was one of those kits which you remember because the colour is obviously amazing. And I think sometimes you fall in love with certain kits 
for those for those reasons, you know. And and I think I, I really enjoyed wearing that kit. Obviously, the Middlesbrough kit because the, I, I wanted to wear it and I had a desire and a uh, and a passion to wear it. But uh, but yeah, for me, the Sheffield United yellow one was just one of those ones that always stuck out. So we always ask the same question at the end of the podcast, and it is essentially, what is your dream combination of kit and player from any era? So any kit, any player, what would you combine together? What would be your ideal dream? Well, I'm going to probably give you. A, I'm going to give a double player because I, I fell in love with I fell in love with Crystal Palace at the time when um, they were very successful in the FA Cup when they beat Liverpool at Villa Park, and obviously watched them in the cup final against United. Uh, and it would be that red and blue striped kit with a Fly Virgin sponsor on, and it was Mark Brighton and Wright. Yeah, that, I, I just wanted to be those two. You know, what I mean, I, if I com- combine the two as a player, because obviously Ian was Ian was Ian, and he went on to do amazing things. But Mark Bright didn't get enough publicity for me. He didn't get the rewards probably as a as a as a player because he he did all the all the hard hard yards to give Ian probably the success he did, and and obviously Ian is quite. Um, quite respectful, and when he when he when he speaks about them and how, and how good a relationship they had as, as players. But for me, yeah, those two, I just I just wanted to be Mark Bright or Ian Wright or both of them combined or play alongside them too for Crystal Palace in that in that shirt. So it was just for me, it was a phenomenal time to be a football fan, and and yeah, I just fell in love with them because I love the kit, I love the sponsor, I loved everything that went with it, and they seemed to do all right in it as well. So I was a little bit jealous, if I'm honest. That's a great answer, but a surprising one. A few reasons, really surprising one, but I like it. I like it. It's just something which, yeah, just I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why it was that club. And then, and then when obviously Crystal Palace came calling for me later on in, in, in my career, and obviously I sat down with Simon Jordan, who was the chairman at the time, and Steve Bruce, and um, and obviously Clinton Morrison, who uh, who I spoke to at the time. It was just everything just just fit fit right. Everything was just it was something that I really wanted to do, and I wanted to do it for that reason. And obviously, life doesn't always pan out and work out the way you want it. And to fail a medical made it a little bit bittersweet that. Clubs wanted, but then didn't didn't materialise. But no, I, I I wanted to go to Selhurst Park, wear that uh, red and red and blue shirt, striped shirt, and and be as successful as those two. But I nearly got there. I nearly, I nearly, I nearly lived the dream. Really, I guess we probably got to ask one last question. Being a being a sort of borough local lad and coming through the club as well, what was your favourite ever borough shirt? Uh, my favourite ever borough shirt uh, was the white Evening Gazette one. When, uh, when when they brought that out, it was just absolutely amazing, and and it was one of those ones that you that you just got to have. You know what I mean? So you just bug your mum and dad. Oh, I need that top. I need that top. And and or, or the Heritage Hampers one, which the war at Wembley when we got beat by Chelsea in the ZDS final. You know that I had that one, but broke my heart when Tony Rodrigo scored the winning goal and. Uh, uh, on that day, which I've told him so to his face, because uh, things like that, <laughs> things like that, you, they live in your memory. But no, I think those two kits for me, and you remember them by the sponsors and just the way the style of the kits are. You know that my, I like I like the ones in my debut because they've got uh, pictures of the transporter on. You know, what I mean, and underneath the the way that the things are. But it's just little things that you remember by little shirts. But for me, the sponsors, the Evening Gazette, which is obviously the the local paper in the area, and uh, it just makes those things a little bit more special. And you try to support those kind of industries to help help the area really all about the memories of a lot of those kits and um yeah totally. a couple of cup finals and being, being a kid growing up it's amazing uh, andy we've really really enjoyed talking with you today it's been a lot of fun what a career great kits and some great stories there so thank you ever so much thanks for having me brilliant thank you mate cheers guys Firstly, it's amazing to have another footballer's perspective on the pod. Always good. 
Um, but I think what I like most about the, the Andy Campbell thing is the fact that at the time he played for them, there was so such a big sort of like influx of foreign players coming into the the team. So it's good to 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 get the the perspective of a, a homegrown talent, if you like, being in the midst of all of that. It's good. It was interesting. Yeah, really, really nice guy. My only criticism is that I could have listened to him talk more. It was only half an hour that he could spare for us. And it was genuinely a really good chat with him. And again, like the story that he told about his shirt, his debut, and then not having a shirt with his name or number on the back and being the only or the first player to do that, to have that happen without, you know, like a maybe having to change their shirt for like a blood injury, that kind of thing. Like I said in the uh, in the interview, no one's going to take that away from him. That is like his one claim to fame. It'll be a really good pub quiz question, actually. We're, unless we're doing that quiz now, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of quizzes, I enjoyed that so much. I have uh, created another 10 US link. Andy Campbell, Campbell's Soup, famously Alphabetty Spaghetti. So what I've done, I've made an anagram quiz for you where I'm going to give you some options. I'm going to read out an anagram and it is going to be an anagram of one of Andy Campbell's former teammates for Middlesbrough. Does that sound good? Nope, but let's do it anyway. I mean, it's a very, very tenuous <laughs> link, but um, I'm not sure I like the way just, you think. Tom, to, to just to honest. confirm that link, you've gone Andy Campbell, <laughs> Campbell's Soup, Alphabet Spaghetti. Anagrams. <laughs> oh, my word. Again, did you write this quiz with a wax crayon? <laughs> you know, Mike. You know, you said you were going to kick me off the Zoom call. Can can you do that now? <laughs> can I be kicked off now? Please, I just want to put a disclaimer out before we start this. No one check this because I haven't done it myself. And if they're not perfect anagrams, well then go fuck yourselves. Um, numbers one to five. Who wants to go first? Adam. Go on then. Adam, give me a number one to five. Straight down the middle, number three. So, former teammate of Andy Campbell in the year 2000, Absail Conk. (laughs) (laughs) Absail Conk. How am I meant to get that? Look, I'm a very visual person. I need to see the letters on screen. I can't imagine. Absail Conk. I can give you a clue. If you want one, you just get one clue. I mean, how is conk spelt for starters? Is it K-O-N-K? C-O-N-K, come on. C-O-N-K. Yeah. Go on, give me give me some kind of clue. Absail Conk also played for Juventus. Again, for the benefit of people listening to this, Mike is making a very confused face as well. So it's not that No, uh, I'm not. I, I know exactly what it is. But go, it's go your... on then. Well, no. I'm gonna pass then and No, no, I I, I refuse to take it from you. Alan Boxic. <laughs> Oh, what the Straight where did that out come nowhere. from? <laughs> He's got it. And look at all that complaining for nothing. For nothing. I was just teasing you. I knew it all along. <laughs> Where's one nil Adam? Good luck, Mike. Uh, a number one, two, four or five, please. I'll go number one. Number one. This was my favourite. Vile Brazilian Afro. It's got to be Ravanelli. I need his full name, please. Fabrizio Ravanelli. It's one all. It's one all. Back to you, Adam. We've got two, four or five. Two. Two. Oh, you've gone for it. This is a hard one. So 
former teammate of Andy Campbell. I'll give you a clue straight off the bat. He's a defender. Firelin... No. Okay. <laughs> Filing rectums. Filing rectums. <laughs> That's a good one. Filing rectums. So it's not Johnny Cafesta. Filing rectums. I'd no. say you got that wrong, really. But I'll, I'll, it's too good watching you struggle. <laughs> Filing rectums. I would be nice here and help, but as you've both got 100% right, someone needs to get one wrong. Otherwise, this is going to go on and on. <laughs> I mean, you have already said it's a defender as well, but no pass, don't it? Mike, can you jump in? I don't know if I can. Um, I'm going to no. write it down. Filing rectums. F- filing rectums. How many times we got to say it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> filing rectums. Um, I'm going to have to pass. Well, I can tell you the answer was Curtis Fleming. Oh, I, ah, I, never I had Fleming in my head, but I kept thinking of uh, <clears throat> Craig Fleming, who played for Norwich. And I was like, he never played. Oh, yeah. Mike, this is for the win. You can win this here. I want you to give me a four or five, please. Go five, please. Oh, it's a good one again. We're talking Andy Campbell's teammate, Bearskin. Rheumatic, bare skin. Rheumatic. Could you could you spell that for me, please? B e a r s k i n r h e u m a t i c. <laughs> oh my god! Um, I haven't given you a clue, actually. I'll no give you a clue. Go on, Emily. So Jude Bellingham just broke a record yesterday for scoring in his first three Champions League games for Real Madrid. The only other player to have done that was this man I'm talking about now. Just tell me that anagram one more time, please. Bearskin rheumatic. No, I can't get it. I'm going to have to pass. I don't know. Adam? No idea. It was Real Madrid and Middlesbrough midfielder Christian Carambo. Oh my God. God. <laughs> so it's it's one all, which means we're gonna to go to the tiebreaker, which is great because I wrote the five down. So fastest answer wins the day. And this person was a teammate of Steve Bruce and Andy Campbell. And his anagram is Gastral Ripley. Harry Pallister. Oh, Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2-1. Adam is the king of Campbell's soup. Yeah, to be fair, I got, wow. I got that more from the clue than the, the anagram. As soon as you said, I was like, fine, just whatever. <laughs> that Sorry, was easy. tenuous, but that was quite fun. It was until Baldy won. <laughs> <laughs> right, so... That's it for this week. It's been pretty short and sweet. I hope people will agree. What have we got coming up? We have still got the Wrexham special and the Ghana Black Star special to come. And as well as a load of other things lined up. But also just to finish off, um, as always, thanks to everybody that is uh, giving us reviews on places like Spotify, following the podcast account on socials because I'm... 
uh, Twitter. We've now surpassed 18,000 followers, which is amazing. Um, and also for anybody that would notice, we're now sponsored by the fantastic Granny's Football Store. Uh, if you just basically want to buy good football shirts for good prices, go and check his website out. It's uh, it's nice and easy. And that website is grannysfootballstore.com. And yeah, I've been a, a long time customer. So I'm particularly furious that now I can't enter the giveaways that he runs with us. Um, but speaking of giveaways, we do have a particularly special one coming up, which is that amazing shirt from the other Bundesliga guys, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, we do have to do it. I'll be honest with you. I think I'm dragging it out because I've left it hanging in my bedroom with the name set showing, and it looks fucking spectacular. And it upsets me every time I look at it that I'm going to have to package it up and send it off to some bastard who wins it for free in a competition. <laughs> But uh, I have spoken again to Max at WSG Till recently, and I did tell him that we're going to be dropping that competition um, probably this week. I might even do it to correspond with the dropping of this episode just to get it out there. And then the sad day will come where I really do have to give it to Royal Mail to go to someone new. So we'll leave you there and we'll leave you with that image of Adrian on his holidays, decked in his Cagliari shirt behind a one-way mirror. Who knows what's on the other side? Adam, can you wrap it up for us? Sure, why not? They think it's all over. It is now. <laughs>